Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Well, there are American citizens. There are people in this country who are treated as second-class citizens, and I want to talk about some of them. You know about that case that we discussed and have discussed at some length about Mr. Halk a pro-life activist and and he uh, how he was abused by the American Stasi by the FBI at his home well here we have another case so this is now an organized pattern by the Department of Injustice from the Daily Signal never had FBI agents Shown up on the sidewalk before, pro-life group claims FBI questioned volunteer by Planned Parenthood. A pro-life sidewalk counseling group warned members Tuesday that President Joe Biden's Justice Department is determined to intimidate pro-life organizations, claiming that two FBI agents showed up to question a pro-life activist praying outside Planned Parenthood, St. Paul, Vandalia Health Center. In an email obtained by the Daily Signal, Pro-Life Action Ministries Executive Director Brian Gibson put members on high alert about, quote, a new effort by the Biden Justice Department to intimidate us all from the important work we do to save lives, unquote. Gibson referenced the FBI's Friday arrest of Mark Houck, a Catholic father and pro-life activist accused of pushing an abortion clinic volunteer in Pennsylvania. Though a spokesperson for the family told the Daily Signal that Hawk was defending his son from a man who was verbally abusing his son. We've had a 
couple recent incidents locally in which a sidewalk counselor or prayer supporter had a physical alteration on the sidewalk, Gibson told members in the Tuesday email. So this is another case. Two FBI agents came out to the sidewalk outside Planned Parenthood in St. Paul today to talk to the prayer supporter involved in one of these incidents. In a Wednesday phone interview with the Daily Signal, Gibson shared that on May 16, a female Planned Parenthood client allegedly began cutting up a pro-life sign outside the clinic with a box cutter. An activist urged her to stop, he said, and she went back into the clinic. When she came back out, probably an hour later, there was a man who comes and prays every day kneeling down, and he was kneeling down near the sign praying. The pro-life leader explained, and the woman went back after the sign to finish what she started with a box cutter. The activist pushed her away, Gibson said, and the abortion clinic escort fell down. He got charged with assault in state court in Minnesota, Gibson continued. All charges were dismissed because they didn't have a case. I mean, she was a woman wielding a weapon, and he's trying to prevent her from doing physical harm. And that's the individual the two FBI agents wanted to speak to yesterday came on our sidewalks. And I've been doing this for more than 40 years. I've never had FBI agents show up on the sidewalk before. So the provocateurs in each one of these cases are individuals volunteering for or working for or promoting abortion. The Daily Signal was not able to independently confirm the assault charges or the charges uh, that were dropped. Gibson told the Daily Signal he learned about the incident from another activist. Neither Planned Parenthood nor the St. Paul Police Department immediately responded to requests for comment. They didn't talk to me, Gibson said, or the other side walk counselor. Excuse me, this is Maloney, who is another pro-life activist. After the agents left, the prayer supporter told her friend that they were FBI. She also said she did not witness the box cutter incident. But now you can see this is taking place. There's a pattern here. Catholic vote president Brian Birch told the Daily Signal this week, the Justice Department has made clear that partisan political ideology is now driving its decision making, not equal justice under the law. Birch noted his organization has repeatedly called on both the Justice Department and the FBI to protect religious institutions and pro-life groups from pro-abortion domestic terrorism. It is more than 150 attacks on Catholic churches and pro-life organizations just this May have gone unanswered. Have gone unanswered. There you have it. Now I want you to listen to another one. This should send chills down your spine. By Kenneth Marcus. If it wasn't so frightening, one might be able to recognize the irony in the sight of campus progressives trying so hard to signal progressive virtue that they fall victim to a deeper moral shame. What's he talking about? Nine different law student groups at the University of California Berkeley School of Law, he says, my own alma mater, 
have begun this academic year by amending bylaws to ensure that they will never invite any speakers that support Israel or Zionism. Zionism is simply the support for the Jewish state of Israel. These are not groups that represent only a small percentage of the student population. They include Women of Berkeley Law, Asian Pacific American Law Students Association, Middle Eastern and North African Law Students Association, Law Students of African Descent and the Queer Caucus, Berkeley Law's Dean Erwin Treminsky, a progressive Zionist, has observed that he himself would be banned under this standard, as would 90% of his Jewish students. It is now a century since Jewish free zones first spread the San Francisco Bay Area with signs like no dogs, no Jews. Nevertheless, this move seems frightening and unexpected, like a bang on the door in the night. Berkeley Law students are not the first to exclude Zionists at the State University of New York at New Paltz. Activists drove two sexual assault victims out of a survivor group for being Zionists. Again, Zionists are people who believe in the Jewish state of Israel. At the University of Southern California, they drove Jewish student government vice president Rose Rich out of office, threatening to, quote, impeach her Zionist ass, unquote. At Tufts, they tried to oust Student Judiciary Committee member Max Price from the Student Government Judiciary Committee because of his support for Israel. These exclusions reflect the changing face of campus anti-Semitism. The highest profile incidents are no longer just toxic speech, which poisons the campus environment. Now, anti-Zionist groups target Jewish Americans directly. Anti-Zionism is flatly anti-Semitic. Using quote-unquote Zionist as a euphemism for Jew is nothing more than a confidence trick. Like other forms of Judeophobia, it is an ideology of hate, treating Israel as the collective Jew and smearing the Jewish state with defamation similar to those used for centuries to vilify individual Jews. Some commentators defend this exclusion on speech grounds, arguing that groups also have a right to be selective. Dean Tremansky explains the free speech arguments run in the other direction. And let me explain, as a constitutionalist, University of California Berkeley Law School is part of the state. It receives federal funding. It receives state funding. It's got state actors slapped all over it. This is a quintessential First Amendment issue. Not for the anti-Semites, but for the Jewish students attending the school or the Jewish speakers that they want to invite to the school or the Gentiles they want to invite to the school who support the state of Israel. The students have no right. It's not free speech. And it might violate Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. There are Supreme Court decisions and so forth and so on. And notice their goal here isn't to expand speech, it's to prevent speech. If you're a Jewish activist or if you support Judaism. 
You've got law students for justice in Palestine who are often behind a lot of these movements. And um, I just wanted to point that out. So there you have pro-lifers who are under attack and Jews who are under attack. Does this concern you? It smells like the 1930s to me. No, and it's not an overstatement. I notice I come under attack when I point something like this out. Now, the hard left can call everybody Hitler. They don't even know what Hitler did, but they do it anyway. I don't go around calling everybody Hitler. But when I smell, see, and taste what's going on, particularly in these universities and colleges, particularly when New York City doesn't protect certain members of its population in Brooklyn, the Orthodox Jews, particularly when the FBI is going after pro-life individuals and refusing to go after pro-abortion individuals who are doing grave damage to Catholic churches, other churches, and pro-life facilities. Yeah, tell me about it. When you have a corrupt FBI and a corrupt Department of Justice doing the bidding of a political party that controls the executive branch, that controls the media, yeah, it smells a lot like the 1930s to me, the early 30s. I don't like what's going on in this country. It's gravely concerning to me. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. And the attack by those who claim to defend democracy goes on, as we autocrats who defend the Constitution, individual liberty, and American principles, they're apparently the democracy wing of the population as they try and burn down all of it. Maya Wiley is said to be a civil rights activist at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation Voting Rights Forum today. And you can see what they take aim at on the left, the radicals, the so-called independent state legislature theory. And we've been through this a thousand times. The Constitution doesn't talk about an independent state legislature theory. 
It states in black and white. Even a relatively illiterate person can read that the state legislatures, specifically the legislature, determine the election processes by which electors are chosen to be president and vice president. It's specific. Doesn't say the governor, doesn't say the courts, doesn't say the state. It says the legislatures. Now, when our Constitution was adopted, most of the states didn't even, excuse me, some of the states just had their own brand new Constitution. Some didn't have any Constitution yet at all. They were colonies. And so it's very important that the state legislatures have power. That's why when the Congress was established, there had been no Congress before. It was a bicameral Congress with a Senate whose members were chosen, or the methods for choosing them were determined by the state legislature, not the governor, not anybody else. The only direct election that occurred was for the House of Representatives. Well, a little over 100 years ago, 17th Amendment, they abolished the state legislature's involvement in the congressional process. It's part of the so-called progressive movement. But they didn't abolish the 10th Amendment, part of the Bill of Rights, which leaves power to the state legislatures. And they act like the state legislatures and states' rights is where all the danger occurs. Really? Who do they think ratified the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution? It was three-fourths of the state legislatures. Who do they think did that? And who do they think fought half the Civil War? States. Fighting states. Federal government. Which court issued the Plessy versus Ferguson decision? The federal Supreme Court. Which court issued the Dred Scott decision? The federal Supreme Court. Which court issued the Korematsu decision? Upholding the Franklin Delano Roosevelt internment of Japanese Americans. That would be the federal Supreme Court too. Now I wanted to express... A little bit more about this as we get into it, because this is going to be the battle. The effort to intimidate the Supreme Court. John Roberts is very easily intimidated. I'm concerned about Kavanaugh. But we'll be right back. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses 
from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. So the party that believes in democracy doesn't even care or comprehend that we're not a democracy, that we're a republic, a constitutional republic. Not a democracy. And the framers were... Very clear about that. You cannot have a majority vote on whether you have unalienable rights or whether natural law exists or whether your individual liberty should be expanded or shrunk. That's just voting. Voting is certainly an important aspect of a republic, but it's not the end all and be all freedom is. Any civil society. And so we have Maya Wiley, civil rights activist at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, voting rights forum today, and uh, Roland Martin. So you see, when they say they believe in democracy, they don't even believe in our Constitution. Let me just say this briefly before I get to this. They oppose the Electoral College. They oppose the filibuster, which really is the defining process in the United States Senate. They attack the founding, which means they attack the Constitution, which followed the founding. They attack separation of powers. They attack the Supreme Court. They want to pack it. They've tried multiple times through their history. They do not believe in this system. They wanted to pass a national voting system that would have violated at least three provisions of the Constitution. And this is what I'm talking about. They do not believe in freedom of speech, certainly not yours. They do not believe in the free exercise of religion as they try and not only exclude it from the public square, but exclude it, period. Depending on... If you want to bake a cake for a certain ceremony, you don't have the right to make that decision. Or if you're a religious institution, you don't have a right to say that this club cannot be here because its its foundational principles conflict with the entire purpose of the university. And you go on and on and on. They do not believe in your Second Amendment rights, the right to bear arms. In many cases, they do not believe. They do not believe in, in due process rights. They do not believe in probable cause in many cases as they continue to surveil citizens and collect data about you. And of course, federalism, the Tenth Amendment is out the window, except that they want to wave it around from time to time to advance a cause. And so now they're saying that we should read another provision out of the Constitution. Maya Wally, civil rights activist, Congressional Black Caucus, cut four, go. But states' rights, I mean, let's call it what it is. It's a states' rights argument. That's the slave state argument. That's like, and let's, stop, and let's use plain language. What the Supreme Court's trying to bring us is states' rights, and they mean 1767. You're mumbling. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't care if you're a so-called civil rights activist or not. 
this inflammatory propaganda is destroying this country. It's destroying this country. And for them to go on like this, it's just, it's just sickening. It's pathetic. States' rights, I mean when it's called. I mean 1767. But the Supreme Court is trying to bring a state's rights. It's in the federal constitution. The Supreme Court's not trying to bring anything. Do Democrat states not have state legislatures, Mr. Producer? Are they not Democrats elected to state legislatures, America? So a month or so ago, we were told that the Supreme Court was rogue, that the Supreme Court was run by a bunch of white racists when it ruled in the Dobbs case. Now we're told that the state legislatures are a bunch of racists. So the state legislatures are filled with a bunch of racists. They can't be trusted. The Supreme Court majority is a bunch of racists. They can't be trusted. We've got to change the court to accommodate the Democrats. We've got to change the Constitution to accommodate the Democrats. We have to change the state legislatures and their power to accommodate the Democrats. That's what she's saying. Notice they don't have anybody like me at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation Voting Rights Forum today. I'd love to appear there. I would love to debate. Maya Wally. Love it, love it, love it. But no. Instead, it's her and Roland Martin. Who knows nothing about anything. He's a provocateur. 1767. The Supreme Court's trying to bring states' rights, and they mean 1767. I don't know... Why, 1767 different than 1766 or 1768 when it comes to quote-unquote states' rights? Well, we didn't have a constitution in 1767, and they're bringing this civil rights activist on. There wasn't one. 1767 doesn't have anything to do with anything. The federal constitution gives the power to the state legislatures. Go ahead. The state's rights is it's it's because the state what they're saying state supreme courts we won't even I, listen to you. It, so they're it, like it's the rights of white majorities it, it, in those states right, in the state that, legislature. Which is yeah. what I hate to right. tell you this. Uh, there are white majorities in most states. They're white majorities in most states. So I guess we suppose, we're supposed to hate the states and hate the people there? What does that mean? It's the rights of white majorities in those states. What does that mean? What if there are black majorities in those states? And black people are voting for the people in the state legislature. Would you still want the state legislature to have both the initial and final say in the election rules? Now, there are rules in place to deal with a state legislature that violates the federal constitution. 
We have a Voting Rights Act of 1965 and subsequent amendments. A variety of Supreme Court decisions. A state legislature cannot simply act to discriminate against minorities. And this Justice Department has the power to act immediately, as any Justice Department does, if that can be shown, if that can be proven. But that's not what took place in Pennsylvania and these other states. What took place is the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania destroyed the federal constitutional provision, destroyed the Pennsylvania Constitution, and said that the white candidate running for president on the Democrat Party with the white governor in Pennsylvania and the white secretary of state in Pennsylvania could change the Constitution with the white Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, all of whom are Democrats. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's my point. Yeah, they don't right? even want to listen to they, their own court. Well, so, but this is the point, though, is you. Can, well, a and, lot of and, times, and Roland, we don't necessarily want to listen to a court. Perhaps you're familiar with some of these cases that I mentioned earlier in the program, right? Men and women of the court, men and women of blood and skin and bones. Some are smarter than others. Some are racist. Some are righteous. Some are morons. Some are brilliant. Just like people everywhere. In all walks of life. They won't even listen to the court, he says. Okay, Dred Scott, should we listen to that court? No, we shouldn't. So far, these two make no sense whatsoever. But it doesn't matter. They're raising their voices. They're emotional. And utterly irrational. Go ahead. And I, I want to go back to what Roland said. What we do in states matters. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why does it matter? Anyway, this is the kind of idiocy that we confront when it comes to the Constitution. Now, if I were to question. Maya Wiley, and she's welcome to come on this program, Mr. Producer, if she contacts us. First thing I would ask her, is the Constitution legitimate? Is the Constitution legitimate? Because we know who wrote it and adopted it, and we know who ratified it. Is it legitimate? And let's take it from there. Are all court decisions righteous? Let's take it from there. Are all state legislatures racist? Are they racist in California and New York and other places? Let's take it from there. And how about the federal state legis- the federal legislature controlled by the Democrats? Is it racist? Now, what she's really arguing isn't about race, but they always camouflage it in race on the left. They always camouflage it in race. It's not about race. It's about ideology. It's about power. It's about the Democrat Party. She's a Democrat. Roland Martin's a Democrat. They're radical Democrats. That's what they're arguing for. That's who they are. And given the history of the Democrat Party, Maya Wiley and Roland Martin, would you like to debate that? 
Would you like to debate it? From the Civil War to Jim Crow to post Plessy versus Ferguson to 1924 in the convention in, in New York, the 1930s. How about Woodrow Wilson and his eight years of terror against black men and women? You want to debate that? How about Franklin Roosevelt and his racism? Do you even know about that? Let's do it. No, but they won't. That they won't do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. I would ask Maya Wally, why are you a Democrat? Why are you a Democrat? Why are you a Democrat? Well, because the Democrats pushed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. No. Some Democrats pushed it. The overwhelming majority of Republicans voted for it, or it wouldn't be the law today. Same with the Voting Rights Act of 1965. It was Eisenhower who pushed the 1957 Civil Rights Act, and it was Lyndon Johnson who watered it down. It was also Eisenhower who pushed the 1960 Civil Rights Act, and again, the Democrats watered it down. In fact, every major civil rights bill ever proposed and voted on post-Civil War, post-Civil War, was supported by the Republicans, and either opposed flat out by the Democrats or a significant percentage of the Democrats. How is it that the Democrat Party can make Robert Byrd their leader? Both their majority leader and the minority leader. How is that possible? He was not only a member of the Klan, he was a Grand Kegel. He, he helped sign up 150 individuals in West Virginia to join him in the Klan. He was a young man, he wasn't a child. And he did that in order to run for the for the state house in West Virginia. The state senate, then Congress, and then the Senate. Longest serving senator in American history. Well, Robert Byrd 
filibustered the 1964 Civil Rights Act for over 14 hours as a last-ditch effort of a filibuster that went on for 70 days, led by William Fulbright, mentor to Bill Clinton, led by Al Gore Jr., a uh, senior, Al Gore Jr.'s father, led by Robert Byrd, led by James Eastman, Easton, East Lind, the senator from Mississippi who was a early mentor of Joe Biden's. So I'm asking you, Ms. Wiley, why are you a Democrat? Well, because the Democrats, they don't support anything. Because you're a radical leftist. You believe in big government. You believe in big spending programs. You believe in redistribution of wealth. Why is it that everything linked to the Confederacy is to be burned, destroyed, pulled down, written out of history, except the actual Democrat Party itself. When that's the funnel through which, the political party through which, the force through which it all happened. Why aren't there any demands to change the name of the Democratic Party? Why aren't there any demands for the Democratic Party to pay the reparations that people demand? A lot of people paid with their lives, their ancestors paid with their lives in the Civil War to try and defeat the Confederacy, slavery, and the Democratic Party. The Republican Party had nothing to do with the Klan. That would become a marriage between the Democrat Party and the Klan. Why is it that in 1940, FDR refused to support a bill to outlaw lynching? The Republican Party was fully behind it. Why is that, Ms. Wiley? I'm just curious, since you seem to know so much. Actually, you know nothing. Zero. You and your buddy Roland Martin, or whatever his name is. There's a ton more, but I'll, I'll move on. The reason people aren't taught about the history of the Democratic Party because it would undermine the ideological radicals of today. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let's listen to this again. I'm not done with this. Maya Wally, civil rights activist. In fact, let's go to cut three, Mr. Producer. She's at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation voting rights for him today. Cut three, go. We do have to tell truth because there's a big lie 
I call it the big old lie, because it didn't just start with Donald Trump. It actually started in 2010, before Shelby, that said that basically people of color, and let's be explicit, uh, immigrants of color in particular, Mexicans in particular, were lining up to vote to steal our democracy. So the wedge between was black, for black people was those people are your problem, and for white people was those people are your problem. <laughs> and there was only one problem. People who were starting to see that the changing demographics of the country... All right, all right, all right, okay. Maya Wally, do you know what's going on in the inner cities? The crime rate, murder, women being raped, children being murdered. Do you know what's going on in the inner cities? Rather than concocting that America is so horrific, that white people are so horrific, particularly if they they serve in state legislatures, if they have some power and don't agree with you and the Democrat Party, then they must be racist. Don't you think it would be worthwhile to try and help people who are truly under assault? Families who've lost loved ones? Don't you think that would be the real civil rights issue today? Or school choice? So young people can get a decent education? That's what a real civil rights activist would be doing today, in my humble opinion. This constant boogeyman thing, based on race, what the white people are doing, trying to get blacks to turn against browns and browns against blacks, and of course, they don't like blacks or browns. This is just bigotry. It's bigotry. It's not civil rights. This isn't, as you put it, 1767. Nor is it 1967. People do need help. Lots of people. Now, they're not only minorities, but minorities do need help. They need help protecting themselves from vile Gangs, drug pushers, and killers. They need help from institutions that throw them overboard, like the public school systems. They need help. But as long as you do what you do, and as long as you empower the Democrat Party, and as long as you turn everything into race when people don't agree with your radical or even incoherent rantings. That didn't serve any purpose. Might draw attention to you. Doesn't serve any purpose. I mean, what's the answer? What is the answer? If you're right and I'm wrong. Here's Eric Holder at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation Voting Rights Forum today. Cut five, go. 
You know, as a country, we have struggled for for generations to attain a core national ideal, one person, one vote. And today, more than ever before, there is rightfully, I think, a growing concern across the country about the state of our democracy. I mean, you can't look at the actions taken in state legislatures, at the cases before the United States Supreme Court, or the hundreds of election deniers on the ballot this fall without becoming concerned. Hundreds of election deniers. Election deniers in 2000 and 2004, Mr. Holder, were all Democrats. And they made themselves well-known nationally, publicly. We know their names. They tried to prevent George W. Bush's election on the floor of Congress. There were scores of them. Same thing happened in 2004. Election deniers. Denying his re-election. Somehow, Kerry had won Ohio. Election deniers in 2016, even worse than election deniers, saboteurs, people who use the instrumentalities of the federal government against a candidate by the name of Donald Trump, a Democrat party and a Democrat campaign that subsidized the dirtiest of dirty tricks. And your party Democrats go into every state that mattered to try and change the election laws. Does that not concern you? Election deniers. And after Donald Trump was elected, formally, officially, every effort was made to try and sabotage his presidency and to rid rid him of the presidency, despite the election. You're talking about election deniers. You're an election saboteur. That's what you are. And we have a right to worry about democracy. You mean we have a right to worry about our constitutional republic, and you sure as hell are right about that. But not for the reasons you state either. Virtually every institution in this republic is under attack by your party. By your party. The courts have nothing to fear from the Republicans. They have everything to fear from the Democrats. The immigration laws are not being enforced by the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party joined in with most radical elements, including criminal elements, to attack law enforcement, which hasn't recovered yet. It's the Democrat Party with George Soros money that's put prosecutors in positions who won't prosecute. As a result, we have mayhem in the streets, particularly in the inner cities, particularly against minorities, by other minorities. And you go to the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation Voting Rights Forum today, and this is what you spew? That's the best you can do? See, it takes guts to get in front of a group that might disagree with you and to say, "Uh, folks, we have a problem. We have a problem. It's not Republican legislatures. It's not Donald Trump. We have a problem in our communities. We have a problem with our party. We have a problem with our Congress. We have a problem that we need to confront and address, but if we don't recognize it, it won't get fixed. 
But Eric Holder is a coward. He says what people want to hear. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one, switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Putting aside this young lady for a moment, I think we confuse civil rights activists with demagogues and propagandists. And in some cases, bigots. Who just like to stir the pot. Makes them feel important. Gets them invited to speak, to write books, and all the rest of it. It's their calling. And they have a perfect home in the Democrat Party. Which has never been comfortable with this country. I've said this to you for years now, and I'll keep saying it. It's never been comfortable with the country. And... It's never really fully adopted the country's foundational principles. And so when you hear people who claim to speak for the Democrat Party, or in some cases so-called civil rights activists or leaders, they're no different. They're Democrats first. And as I wrote in American Marxism, some people use race, some people use sexuality, some people use the economy, whatever it is, the environment, to advance this agenda. But this constant talk about, oh, that's a white legislature. A white legislature. That is a racist comment. Unless a white legislature did something racist, The fact that it's a white majority legislature doesn't in and of itself make it unjust or racist. People listen to this stuff and they're appalled and not just white people, they cringe. Racism comes in different forms, bigotry comes in different forms, but it is what it is. It's people, you can see their blood boils when they're talking about people who are different than them. You've seen it with the neo-Nazis and, and the Klansmen when it comes to blacks and Jews and Catholics, other minorities. But you also see it with so-called activists 
who throw out these phrases willy-nilly because they can get away with it. But whether they can get away with it or not, you and I can think for ourselves. Why are you attacking a legislature for being majority white, as most of them are? Why are you doing that? Because they're Republican. They don't attack majority white Democrat legislatures in New York or New Jersey or Illinois or California. I'm talking about these people on the left. No, they don't do that. So if you're Republican, you are ipso facto a racist. If you believe in the Constitution and what it says, you are ipso facto a racist. If you believe in capitalism, you're a racist. If you believe in the founding principles, you're a racist. Whether you're white, black, brown, or whatever, if you're patriotic, you're a racist. If you embrace Americanism, you're a racist. If you sing the national anthem or put your hand over your heart, say the Pledge of Allegiance, you're a racist. That's it. If you believe in in faith and you believe in traditional recognition of the sexes through biological identification, you're a whole list of other things. Some guy testified, it was either today or yesterday, he's a big muckety-muck, this guy, with Planned Parenthood. Now, Planned Parenthood, like the Democrat Party, it's remarkable. You and I have spent hundreds of millions, if not over a billion dollars, subsidizing this this organization that was born out of eugenics. Eugenics, which is racist. Margaret Sanger. Only now do they start to recognize her racism. Eugenics. It's worth getting rid of the people or not allowing them to reproduce who are handicapped mentally or physically or minorities, like blacks. And so this was embraced by the early so-called progressives. Yes, it was. And so here we have this guy, Dr. Bahavik Kumar, at a hearing yesterday. He's asked by Representative Andrew Clyde, cut 14, go. Dr. Kumar, can biological men become pregnant and give birth? Um, So men can have pregnancies, especially trans men. Okay, now we know trans men can because they're biologically women. So they have all the tools that God gave them to have babies and to get pregnant. But can men have pregnancies? He says, yes, men can have pregnancies, especially trans men. So, especially trans men, but what about those who are not trans men? Well, by that statement, he's saying, yes, they can have pregnancies. Now, you have to be a moron to say something like this. And yet, you're compelled to say it. You're compelled to say it if you're the director of Planned Parenthood, Dr. Bahava Kumar. You are compelled to say that man can have pregnancies, putting aside trans men, when in fact they can't. It's called science, right, Dr. Fauci? Notice how, as I've said before, 
Dr. Fauci never has questioned about these issues? Dr. Fauci, can men have pregnancies? Well, uh, you know, it depends. No, it doesn't depend. As long as they wear masks. What are you talking about? So this is the, the idiocy that we deal with in this country to make us poor, to destroy prosperity by creating a degrowth economy and the economy shrinking for a reason because the Democrats want it to shrink. It's that simple. We've got drugs pouring over the border, including fentanyl. It's a statistical fact. I would tell all the civil rights leaders, Well, the Democrats must want it because they haven't done a damn thing to secure that border. How else do you explain it? Oh, replacement theory. I didn't say anything about it. I said drugs. But now that you mention it, it's not a theory. Here, we even had this civil rights activist talk about it. Everybody knows what's going on, but it's, it's backfiring on the Democrats. Because a lot of people who come across the border or have over the decades... They've had enough of this, too. You know why? They have to eat and buy food. They have to travel. They're not raised to believe that men can get pregnant and have babies. This is the idiocy of the ruling class, of the Democrat Party ruling class, just as eugenics was the idiocy of the Democrat Party ruling class, just as abortion on demand right to the last second before birth where the science tells us it's a real, live, human being, baby? Just as the science tells us that? Nobody believes it's a bologna sandwich to be thrown away. Who is it that doesn't believe in science, ladies and gentlemen? Who is it that doesn't believe in knowledge? It's them. They're driven by ideology. And if things don't work... They just double down. Their spending has caused inflation, so they spend more. The border policy has resulted in drugs coming into the country, so it's less secure. And we can go on and on and on with the insanity that is the Democrat Party. So full circle. These civil rights leaders are Democrat Party provocateurs for the most part. I'll be right back. The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one, switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Mark Levin says today what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. 
call Mark at 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer, uh, Jennifer Granholm, the Energy Secretary, was with the BBC today. I want you to hear this, America. Cut 15, go. I think Russia has proven itself to be an unreliable energy partner. It used to be reliable. No more. No country wants to take the risk of putting a significant amount uh, of its energy demand to Russia's supply. It is clear. And in fact, I think this accelerates the EU's push to become energy independent through clean energy. I see. So let me ask you this, genius. She doesn't know a damn thing about energy. Nothing. Zero. Doesn't matter. Um, so I guess Florida is an example of not using electricity, right? Right, Mr. Producer? Florida is an example of using coal and oil and propane and natural gas. Right, America? Since as I speak, there's still millions of people who don't have electricity in their homes in Florida. And now people up the coast in Georgia, but especially South Carolina is getting whacked now. They've lost energy too. Electricity. Because the lines are down. So is that an example? Now this, I can do the same thing they do. So apparently the Russians blow holes in, to quote the uh, great press secretary, in the Nordstrom uh, pipelines. In Nordstrom's pipelines. It's the Nordstream, I got it. Although, have you noticed the Tokyo Roses of our society are blaming us. They're blaming us. Well, why would the Russians do this? Now, let's think about this for a second. I wasn't even going to get into it. Let's think of, why would the Russians blow holes in their own pipeline? Anybody know why they might do that? To make it impossible to send oil to their now enemies. In NATO. But they need the money, Mark. They do? Well, what did they do before these pipelines? Raise your hand if you know. They sold it anyway. A little bit more complicated, of course, to use trucks and trains. But that's what they did. The Nordstrom pipelines weren't always there well who are they going to sell it to Mark communist China wants it so the Iranians are selling it to so they're obviously working with the communist Chinese and the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran they're allies why wouldn't they so the communist Chinese are offering to sell oil now to NATO countries and other places So what's the game, Mark? The game is then Russia and China will have a stranglehold on these European countries when it comes to energy. That's the game. It's so obvious it'll slap you in the face. It'll slap you in the face. I'm a real American first, do you see? Does anybody believe that we sent submarines to the bottom of the ocean, used our technology to blow up two pipelines, and it hasn't even leaked out of the Pentagon yet. 
Anybody believe that? It would involve literally hundreds, if not thousands of people to figure it out, to execute, to not get caught, to get back. It is a little closer to the Russians, you know, than it is to us. But all that aside, China has already said that they're prepared to sell oil. Well, where are they getting the oil from? They don't have a lot of oil. That's why they use coal all the time. We're giving them oil. Iran's giving them oil. But Russia gives them oil. This is also a way for Russia to get around sanctions. Give it to the Chinese, they sell it, and Russia gets a cut. So when people say, what would be in Russia's interest? Everything would be in Russia's interest. Everything. I just thought I would point that out. But we're dealing with an airhead with this. The the whole administration is filled with airheads, of course. Uh, And we're dealing with an airhead in this Jennifer Granholm who says that this is evidence that we need clean energy. Clean energy. Now, notice they never have to define anything. What do they mean by abortion? They don't define it. Well, what do they mean? Just the first three months, the first six months, every minute up to birth. Yes, it's the latter, every minute up to birth. Why don't you a-holes on Sunday who run these Sunday shows ask your fantastic guests that question? Can you define abortion, please? What exactly do you mean? And if they are a Democrat, except for Manchin, they all voted for abortion right up to the last second and no parental notification. So why don't you ask them that question? Ask them to define it. And ask them why they keep saying they want to codify Roe. When this has nothing to do with Roe. And it literally has nothing to do with the Dobbs decision. They want to use it as an excuse and exploit the issue. Got it? But they won't. There's not a moderator among them. The Democrats not going to do that, whether they're dressed up as journalists or otherwise. And then ask... It's Jennifer Granholm or any one of the Democrats. Is not Florida a perfect example why you can't have such a heavy focus on electricity? Electricity is very vulnerable. The grid's very vulnerable. The grid can't produce the kind of electricity that you're talking about. When we have Mother Nature raise her head and throw a shoe at our country. Electricity is the first to go. It's the first to go. All those power lines. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden is going to spend $5 billion for electric vehicle chargers. Oh, cool. Earlier this month, Joe Biden showed up at the North American International Auto Show in Detroit to announce spending $900 million to build about 500,000 charging stations. The first tranche, as they call it, of $900 million from Real Clear Wire out of $5 billion in infrastructure money over five years will be used to build electric vehicle chargers in 35 states. The chargers will be found across 53,000 miles of highway with the goal of promoting electric vehicle use. 
The great American road trip is going to be fully electrified, Biden said to a crowd of auto workers and supporters. Whether you're driving coast to coast along I-10 or I-75 here in Michigan, charging stations will be up and as easy to find as gas stations are now. And you will sit there for at least a half hour to charge up your car. If you're lucky, you'll find one. Not due to the private sector. But government will decide where they go. Which means government will decide where you go. And it won't be as easy as filling up your car with half gallon of gas, maybe whatever. No. You have to wait for the thing to charge your car, your battery. And you're going to have to do it every 300 miles. Rather than pulling into a gas station, hitting the pump, and getting out of there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're going to make more electrical vehicles. They're going to have the charging stations out there. And you're still going to be inconvenienced. If there's enough electricity for the charging stations. And if there aren't long lines. Mr. Producer, have you driven long distances before? You go to like these uh, rest centers, you know, they have like uh, the pretzel place, the hot dog, the hamburger, whatever. You drive in there, right? Particularly during the holidays, there could be parking spaces for 200 cars, 50 cars. You go through quickly through the gas ramp. You go through quickly, get in line, go through quickly. Can you imagine waiting in line to charge up your car? You'll be there for hours. And how many charging stations will be at those locations? No idea. You're going to have to rely on government to make that determination. And who in government's going to make that determination? Everybody and nobody. They'll make the decision from Washington, D.C. Whether they've driven there before, whether they know the habits of people before, this is going to be a complete screw-up. A disaster, particularly for those states that are going to ban the combustion engine starting in 2035. You know, morons like Chris Wallace like to say, you know, this Dobbs decision is the first time a right has ever been taken away from anybody. Nobody's taking a right away from anybody. States can do what they want. It's not a federal right. But here's a case where we're actually banning progress. Progress. Progress happens. People get inventive. We have entrepreneurs. The way you promote that is create an environment where people can, ready for this, make money. Ooh. Where people can actually make money. The robber barons today are in government. They're the ones with the trillions of dollars telling everybody what to do. They're the monopolists. They don't believe in competition. So how do we know these electing, these uh, charging stations will even be in the right place? Or there'll be enough of them in one place. Or they won't be vandalized. I can see a lot of problems ahead. Just call me Nostradamus. Or... Mark Adamus, or just Denali. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one, switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Yellow, yellow. All right, the people who are still suffering from this hurricane, apparently scores of people have died. Some have not been found. Uh, now other states are getting whacked. Um with a lot of rain and a lot of winds. You know, people think, well, it's Category 1 or it's just a tropical storm. You know, that can be 80-mile-an-hour winds. But I still can't get my head around 155-mile-an-hour winds hitting the shore and what happens to what man makes of this earth. The devastation is just Incredible. And uh, it, it's really hard to it's really hard to fathom, is it not? I think so. And um, those people still need our help. And uh, boy, oh boy! All right, let's uh, let's continue. I, I'm I'm at a loss for words because I know what they're going through, and it's just unbelievable. All right, I'm looking for it. Uh, Mr. Producer, Mr. Producer, what did I do with it? Here it is, Mr. Producer. Sometimes I I can't find it. I can't find the ad. So I will have to do it later. And I will do it later. I apologize, folks. Now, what's happening economically? This matters when you vote, you know. Inflation is the biggest issue in the country. Unrelenting inflation is taking a toll, CNBC leaving more Americans living paycheck to paycheck. More Americans are going without food. More Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And they go on like nothing's happened. Oh, we're not in a recession. It's not inflation. Uh, We are in a recession, and it is inflation. Now, we have some very, very interesting uh, information here. Uh, Our friends at uh, Hot Air... The website, Ed Morrissey, Morning Consult Boards, it's RV again. What he means by that is registered voters. And the article says, why are these polls, like Politico and others, still polling or surveying registered voters? People are now voting. People are now voting in several states. Four states will start tomorrow. Minnesota, South Dakota, Virginia. Wyoming. Actually, they've already started in uh, 
Pennsylvania. Started on September 9th. So people are already casting votes, and there's Politico, or the Morning Consult. So why do pollsters like Morning Consult and sponsors like Politico still report registered voter outcomes? And he says because it's the news is bad enough for Democrats on, on that basis, but it improves their numbers. It improves their numbers. He says even before we get to specific results, we have to wonder why Morning Consult plans to apply likely voter models to its results now. Tomorrow's October 1st. The election's five weeks away. And he says Reuters does the same thing. The biggest problem with the decision to avoid likely voter modeling comes in the generic ballot question. Shows clearly what happens when using registered voter results rather than likely voters, which is a better, a better number, more reliable number. Democrats look a lot more competitive when you look at registered voters. And every poll using likely voters since Labor Day, except some outliers, Republicans either tie or lead. And every poll using registered voters, Democrats lead. Which leads back to the first question. Why are you using registered voters this late in the game? The point of these polls, and especially generic ballot surveys, is supposed to be predictive. Without any effort to position these polls to measure the outcome among the people likeliest to vote. Likely voters. The results can't be predictive, even though the media consistently treats them as such. It's not just the highest issue of any for respondents and so forth and so on. So they talk about the average of voters. Okay, but if you're averaging in for these various averages, likely voters were registered voters, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Because now you're mixing apples and oranges. The highest issue for the, for the public... The economy, jobs, health care, immigration. They're the top four, and I have to believe crime is in there somewhere. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Look, I'm no Joe Biden supporter. To say otherwise would be preposterous. I think in many ways he's diabolical. In many ways his comments are unconscionable. He's destroying America from within. Culturally, economically, geopolitically. He's going to give the Iranians the nuclear bomb, uh, among other things. But I do not think he would have ordered the destruction of the uh, Nordstrom, uh, a.k.a. Nord Stream pipelines. I don't believe it. And I don't believe the United States military would do it. I believe there would be leaks by now of information to the New York Slimes and the Washington Post. And it would completely destroy any relationship we have with our NATO allies and other countries that apparently rely on that fuel. And it will drive up the cost of fuel apparently throughout the world which is not exactly what what makes sense right now for the United States, particularly before midterm election. Russia has every reason to do it. First of all, Putin doesn't care about his own citizens. He doesn't care how many of them are killed. He doesn't care about any of it. And he's blowing out, you'll notice, assassinating in particular oil executives with his two largest corporations in Russia, which are the two large oil companies. He's taking these guys down left and right. You know, they just happen to fall out of the sixth floor window of a hospital. They happen to shoot themselves in the back of the head. And on and on and on. So why would Putin do it? First of all, it's not the only way for him to get this fuel out to the rest of the world, as I explained. Secondly, it drives up the price of fuel. So he actually makes more money on less fuel. Thirdly, he cannot be accused, he thinks, of withholding fuel from the Europeans because the pipelines don't work anymore. And fourth, he can blame another country. And uh, it's a stupid move. It's too clever by half. But it won't hurt Putin economically. And of course, he's a fascist. So it's not like the people are going to be able to do anything about it. As I say, they have other ways of getting the fuel out of the country. They've been using them for decades. Um, One of the pipelines has not been used. It was just finished, really, not too long ago. And Trump was warning Europe about that pipeline. But you can still get fuel from one point to another point. May take longer. May not be as efficient. But it's done all the time. It's been done here all the time. I'm getting very annoyed with the uh, the Putinoids and their hemorrhoids in this country who keep 
talking about Putin as if he's a victim. He's killed tens of thousands of Ukrainian citizens. He has enslaved upwards of two million Ukrainians, including children, taking them out of Russia and bringing them, excuse me, taking them out of Ukraine and bringing them into Russia. They're raping women. They're brutalizing people. They're executing people in the areas of Ukraine that they hold or once held. These are war crimes by a war criminal. I don't know what people expect Ukraine to do. To surrender? To roll over? Ukrainians are fighting for their lives. They're fighting for their freedom. They're fighting for their families. Unlike the Russians, who are just fighting to try and take over a country that doesn't belong to them. I don't need to hear from the from the relative tiny number of people who've served in the military who run interference for Putin. It's a shocking thing to see. It's an amazing thing. We have people say, we don't want to be in these, these endless wars, right? We don't want to be in these endless wars. So when the Ukrainians are on the offense... And have the capacity, potentially, I'm not saying they will, but potentially to defeat the Russian army on the battlefield. Not even going into Russia. We're told that will cause a nuclear holocaust. But it would end the war, so we don't have a forever war. No, no, no. The the Ukrainians have to lose. Remember when this invasion started and I said, the critics of Ukraine are bizarre. Apparently Ukraine's not allowed to win. I think the people in our country who are serving mostly unwittingly as propagandists for Putin and demagoguing this issue in a very bizarre way are helping him. Not intentionally. But Putin has a very small uh, circle of people he listens to. I think I read six people, give or take. And they tell him what he wants to hear. So he watches what he wants to watch, and he listens to what he wants to hear on the public airwaves. On the public airwaves. Putin is not a victim. Putin is a monster. In every respect. He'll kill people left and right. He doesn't care. I told you the story some time ago about his mentor, the mayor of St. Petersburg. He made him deputy mayor of St. Petersburg, and then Putin, I think, I could be wrong, became mayor, but it doesn't matter. But it was this guy who took Putin under his wing, introduced him to all kinds of political operatives and so forth. When Putin took the position that he now holds apparently for life, This mayor raised some concerns. He didn't attack him. He wasn't vicious. He just didn't feel it was necessarily the right thing. And he was killed the next day. Murdered. 
assassinated. The next day. Okay, this storm uh, has hit Charleston, Myrtle Beach, moving up Wilmington, moving more into the interior of these states, but also on the shore. Uh, There are wind alerts, uh, significant wind, and potential rainfall and water of up to, I'm looking now, of up to uh, potentially one foot, so flooding particularly in the low, the low areas. And in Virginia, uh, it looks like it's going to hit towards Roanoke, again, more towards the central part of the state of Virginia or southwestern part. Uh, but it will also continue. It's so big uh, on the coast for Norfolk and part of Richmond, and we'll see where it goes after that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Uh, it's time. It's time for a little happiness and joy. That's what it's time for. It's time to think about family, particularly the kids and the grandkids. Nobody better than Ainsley Earnhardt, who has a fantastic new kids book out. I'm glad you were born celebrating who you are. We hear about abortion all the time. But here's a book. I'm glad you were born. Fantastic. Ainsley Earnhardt. How are you, my friend? Hello, my friend. How are it's you, Mark? A great, it's a great pleasure, and we're going to post the link to Amazon on all the social sites, folks, to make it very easy to grab your copy. Oh, thank you. You are so a good tell friend. us about really this. That. Oh, so when, well, Mark, when I was growing up, my mom always said, "I'm so glad you were born on our birthdays." And so when I got the job on Fox and Friends. It was the first birthday we celebrated, and that was Steve Ducey's birthday. And I said, Steve, I'm so glad you were born. And Brian, my co-anchor, and Steve, my co-anchor, looked at each other. And then Brian slapped me on the back in a loving way and said, and just cackled in that cackle that he does. And I said, I know it sounds funny, but this is what my mom said on our birthdays. And I said, so I'm so glad you were born. You're making such a difference in the lives of so many people. You've been on this show for so many years, and everyone wakes up to you. And um, our country is so important, and you just love our country, and you love other pe- other people. So I said, it's an important message. So then his wife, years later, wrote him in the middle of our show and said, I have a great idea for Ainsley's next children's book. It should be called, I'm So Glad You Were Born. And I said, that is such a good idea. So then I pitched it to my publishers, and they loved it. And so mm-hmm. it's the number one book, by the grace of God, and thanks to all of our viewers, it's the number one and number two all week on Amazon. So I am just grateful, but it's just a message. I mean, Mark, you love the Constitution. You love our country. You love your two children. And it's just a way to... For now, you know. <laughs> Exactly, I know. It's a, it's a great way to just tell everyone who, um, who has been born yep. that they have a purpose, that God has put them on this earth for a reason, and um, we're all just so glad they were born. Now, um, obviously, it's a, it's a children's book, so there has to be illustrations. Tell me about that. So, I, so you, as you know, Mark, when you, 
you haven't you haven't done a children's book, have you? No, but my father did several. I know your father, the artist. Okay, your father yeah. would appreciate this. Okay, so um, when you do a children's book, they send you all these illustrators to choose from that are available at the time. So I I just I laid them all out on our kitchen table, and I asked my daughter, pick the one that you like. And she, we talked about it, and we kept going back to this one artist, and her name is Kim Barnes. And we loved the way that she illustrates. And so my daughter, who is six and a half now, probably at that point she was five, and she chose this illustrator. And she just... um it's just a beautiful book of all different colors, all different sizes. Some of the children are in wheelchairs, and just everyone has a different story. And I told my daughter, I said, I feel like this book looks like heaven. This is what heaven is going to look like. We all look different, but we're all God's children. And so um, my daughter and I have dance parties in our kitchen, and we've been doing that since, gosh, since she was born. And I have this big Tupperware container, and I bring it into the kitchen, and I put all these—I have all these instruments in it. And we pull out the instruments, and we blare the music, depending on what stage she's in in her life. I play the music that's important to her, and we run around the whole impart- apartment, in the den, and the kitchen, and um, the hallway area, and we play these these instruments. And so there is a stanza in the book that says um, that you basically play all the instruments and blow the brass horn and we are so glad you were born and so it's just a beautiful image of what we do in our house and then the illustrator who lives in the uk actually i didn't know that when i selected her and i talked to her throughout the process and i was covering the the queen's funeral so we talked about that and she said ainsley in my backyard i have a big fence and I let my children go out there with, with watercolors, and they paint the fence. And so I said, that is so cool. So I told my daughter about that. So we do that in the bathtub. I let her paint the walls of the bathtub. Mm. But um, she has this big fence, and that's one of the pages in the book. But, you know, these kids, Mark, have gone through so much with COVID. And yeah. um, I'm from South Carolina. Our book event tonight was canceled in Charleston. And I just am, we've been remembering wow. them in our prayers. It's hard to to promote a children's book when all of my loved ones and family members are in South Carolina dealing with this and then after COVID. But I think it's a good message for our children. Yeah, it is because children can't just be surrounded by negativity and there's so much negativity going on in this country and so much negativity being pushed in classrooms. And when you turn on TV, so much negativity and so forth that there needs to be a little bit of a safe space. And this book, and spending time with your kids with this book, seems to be that sort of thing, a safe space. I think it's very prescient, some here, maybe the good Lord, that this book came out when it did, when so many things are going wrong, whether it's uh, crime, whether it's the horrific hurricane, whatever it is. So your kids deserve to be protected from some of this, right? And this helps. I agree. And Mark, my mom, who was a school teacher for 33 years in the public schools, she taught fours and fives. And I really kind of feel guilty. I don't know. I guess everyone feels guilty about their childhood and what they did with their parents. I I never appreciated her. And now um, she was diagnosed with diabetes at 39, insulin dependent, um, kidney failure now. Uh, dialysis three times a week, and then she had a stroke. So that was four and a half years ago. She lives in our in our 
parents' basement because she can't go up the stairs. We have 24-hour care for her, and we made it beautiful. Her basement is, is pretty. There's a little den and a hospital bed and a bathroom. But um, her life is just not the same as it was, and I don't know how long we'll have her. So this is the phrase that she said to us, and her voice, she doesn't have a voice anymore. Uh, so she can't really talk, and she taught children for so long and raised us and came home every day, took us to our activities, and then made dinner every night for my dad. So we sat at the kitchen table as a family, and now I just feel so guilty that I was I didn't understand that growing up, and now that I'm a mom, I do. So I just want her to know that I love her, and this book is her voice, the voice she doesn't have anymore. This is the voice that will be passed on for generations to generations. Well, she did a fantastic job, but that's right. All parents know that kids go through cycles and so forth, so that's quite normal. The book is I'm So Glad You Were Born, Celebrating Who You Are. Ainsley, hold on for just a minute. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Mark Levin, America's think tank. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. If you want to bring a little sunshine into your uh, life, given all the dreary things that are going on, this is a fantastic book to share with your your daughter or your son or your granddaughter or your grandson. Ainsley Earnhardt's I'm So Glad You Were Born, Celebrating Who You Are. You can get it on Amazon.com immediately. You can go to my social sites if you're there. We have the link right there. Ainsley Earnhardt, if somebody wants to get a signed edition of your book, say, for Christmas or whatever, where do they go? They can go to AinsleyBook.com, and they can get a signed copy. Our friend Dwayne Ward has a company where he does this for us and handles it for us. He's a great friend. He's a wonderful Christian. He's from um, Nashville, a godly man, and he. this is part of his business, and he is just He's been such a help throughout this whole process for me, Mark, as you know. Um, but if you want to buy a copy for your grandchild or for your child, your godchild, your niece, your nephew, Mark, I've got to send you one because Lauren has one or two. Two. We have How two many? grandkids. Two. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, and then Chase doesn't have any yet, right? That's correct. Okay. So I'm going to send, I'll send you two for your grandchildren. And um, if you're, 
if you're out there, you'll have to buy this for them because it's a great message. It's just, I'm so glad you were born. It's another way to say happy birthday um, and to honor your children and to let them know that we're celebrating who you are. But, Mark, thank you so much for just your support. You and Julie have just been a wonderful couple and always supported my career, and I'm so grateful. You know, the Fox and Friends is a fantastic show with the three of you. And uh, thank you. the chemistry is outstanding. Um, uh, you guys just, uh, you know, you wake up, things are going on. <laughs> you and, I mean, you must get there very, very early in the morning. You see what's going on. Most of it's negative these days. And yet people don't want to hear that all the time. Okay, you can't, you can't sugarcoat things. You can't be a Pollyanna. But on the other hand, when you have those, those occasions when you can be positive and a smiley face and you are folks of faith and so forth, it makes a difference. You know, when you turn to these other networks, it's always, oh, you're a white racist. You know what else? People just don't want to hear that in the morning know, or any time, quite frankly. I know. I know. Yeah, my best friend is Jewish, and she was teaching me how to say Happy New Year. And tell me how to say it. It's La Sha. How do you say it? La Shalato. La Shalato. Oh, my wife? I wrote it down it. that day. Well, what does it and say? It says Happy New Year. Yeah. Right? It's the yeah. Happy Jewish New Year. And the man that I celebrate is Jesus, and he's Jewish. And so I right. love the Jewish people. I love everybody of faith. And this book doesn't, it's not geared toward one particular faith. It talks yeah. about God and just how God created all of us. And he made us all beautiful in his own way. And yeah. um, we're, we all come from different backgrounds. Does this sound color. familiar? Lashana yeah. Tova? Does that sound familiar Lash- to you? Yes, that's Lashana it. Tova. Lashana Tova. Yeah. Is that right? Close and enough? And Shana Tova is also used. So, yes. Very good, yeah. Ainsley. Thank you. And I wrote doing it, it down with a southern accent from South Carolina is great. <laughs> Well, I love all of you, and I am uh, so. So, what is the what's the background there? Why is that the new year? Do you know, Mark? Yeah, I know. I, I know uh, because um, you know the Jewish people go back almost five thousand years. I know. And and the calendar for the Jewish people is like it's the what we would call the original calendar. Mm-hmm. So the original new year is now. Uh do you know what year it is? What year would it be? Or is it? You t- the Hebrew what, year. I gotta, I'm gonna, it's, it's 5781. Wow. So it's going to be 5782, I believe, or 83. But I think it's 5782 oh. because that, in the beginning of the Bible, this is when it began. Mm-hmm. So it's almost 6,000 years ago. Make sense? It's incredible. Uh, We were, yeah, we were traveling in Europe recently, and can you believe, I mean, our history is so short. What, 250 years? Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel, I mean, you, you, I I look at you, I look at Sean Hannity, I look at... My um, brother. By the way, 5783. I know he's your brother. I look at Rush Limbaugh, David Limbaugh even. I mean, there are only a few people, I believe, that are on the radio every night and honestly mark we would not our country would not be the same without you oh boy and your brothers 
and when Rush when Rush passed away, so many people called me crying, crying. They had never met him, and they said mm-hmm. that all of y'all are a band of brothers that are saving this country, and we're so new. I mean, the the it's Jewish calendar five thousand seven hundred eighty one. It is frightening. Yeah, eighty three. What did what did Reagan say? We are one generation away from extinction. That's true, and uh, it's a big, big problem. And, you know, the other thing is, have you ever been to Israel? I've never been. Can you believe that? I would love to go. How many times have you been? I've only been there three times, but I only, the first time I went was when I was 60, when my wife said, come on, you're going to Israel. So Uh um, uh, it'll change your life even more because you will see being a Christian where Jesus literally walked. Mm -hmm. And they will show you where that is. They will show you the city of David. They will show you where the Romans were and where the Jews were and others were. And Mm -hmm. you'll see, you'll see, depending on where you go, uh, where Abraham is buried in Hebron. You'll see things you're just, you can touch things that are in the Bible, you know, particularly for non-believers. You'll be able to touch things, literal walls. They allow you to do that? Oh, yeah, on the Israeli side they do. The other side they'll mm-hmm. shoot in the back. So, you know, yes. Well, okay. if you all go again, will you let me know? Do you do we tour will guides? Let you know. Well, you know, we have our our, our, our son, uh, David. He's a great tour guide. Okay. Well, but let for me a know. fee, you know, I'm happy to be your tour guide. <laughs> Thousand bucks a well, day, that's all. That might Just actually kidding. be worth every penny. Well, listen, you have a beautiful little daughter. And uh, she's a wonderful mother, and you take care of yourself. This book is fantastic. Thank you, It's called I'm So Glad You Were Born. Isn't that terrific? Thank you. Mark, I might be number one for a week. How many weeks were you number one? It's not the same thing. You're not bragging. I'm asking you. I was so proud of you. It was 10 weeks? Yeah. That's amazing. This thing. You were so brilliant. No, it's just, it's just that I have an extremely loyal, intelligent audience, an audience that wants to save the country, an audience that wants to understand what's going on. So when I sit down and write these books, mm-hmm. it takes me a long time. I can't cough out a book every year. I have to do my right. own research and think these things through and try and apply history. But I want to thank you, Ainsley. It's a really, really a, a lovely book. Thank you so much. Well, um, you have to keep going. Tell Julie I'm sorry. I know Julie would love for y'all. How does Julie feel about this? Would she love for y'all just to retire and no, travel? No, she would she, love she, if we took more vacations, and I agree with that. You should do that. Yeah. Well, you never know. Well, she's such a wonderful of, uh, woman. Yes, but she, she is. fell in love with you on the radio. Her mom listened, right, and set y'all up. Well, I don't know the whole story. Maybe they told you <laughs> something. Uh, but who knows? <laughs> Well, she fell in love with you for this, and you have so many gifts and talents. But I also love Julie for keeping you, want you to know the truth and keeping you live, living a long life. It's what? thanks to her. It was at first sight for me. First sight, I knew. That's I it. know. I know. You tell that story a lot. I love that. Yeah. Well, she's a all special right. person. Thank you for having me on on a Friday night, and I love you all, America. I'm so grateful for this country. And Mark, keep going. You and you just too. a select few are making this country better and keeping us on the right track. And that's important. Well, I have kind. a six-year-old. Please keep going. 
You got it, kid. Take care of yourself. All right. Love All right. y'all. God bless. God bless. She's so sweet. Very, very same in person. And she's a person of deep faith, as you know, and you can tell. And the book is fantastic for little kids. You really ought to grab it. And you can get a signed version, too. Um, so it's, I'm so glad you were born celebrating who you are. It really is invigorating for a kid. It's very positive with all the negativity going on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's go to Richard Havertown, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Go right ahead, please. Thank, thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me on. Um, you got Earlier to. in your show, and myself, I, I read it this morning on Breitbart, I believe. Um, I noticed that the University of California, Berkeley, was excluding people based on their, their views on religion and their religion. No, and they're excluding was, Jews. Well, specifically Jews. And uh, I had really thought about it. Many few decades ago, I took my daughter to meet someone who was a, uh, a woman of Germany. She was living in Princeton at the time. And she was there at Kristallnacht. And she had described to my daughter Kristallnacht. And as soon as I heard what, this this morning, she was actually read it. That's mm-hmm. all I could think of. Where are we mm-hmm. in relationship? And what are the progressives doing? And what are the Jews in specific? Mm-hmm. And then I thought of uh, that famous movie, We're Essential Workers, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that line in the movie. And I don't think, and I don't think the world, I don't think America, and I especially think American Jews, have any comprehension how much the progressives have infiltrated, own, and operate the Democratic Not only Party. do I agree with you, on this particular story, how much coverage did it get on major news platforms today? None. As I had seen today, I um, I listened to a um, financial channel. Uh, uh, the, the network will go unnamed, but it's well known. I'll just have to say that it was about a bird. I've, not- I've got to run. The answer is none. None. It's not important. And yet it is. It's crucially important to all of us. We go to America every Friday in honor of you. Here we go.
folks. I forgot to mention a tremendous, brand new Killer Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Please don't miss it. Jim Jordan and General Jack Keene, and of course, my opening statement. It is a killer show. If you can't watch it live, please DVR it. Just set your DVR right now so you don't forget, but we'd love to have you. All right. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all those folks that are helping throughout the southeast and the east coast. God bless you and thank you and those who need help. May the Lord be with you. God bless you. And we should do everything we can, folks, to help in our own way. Good night, Spritey and Griffey and Pepsi. Good night, Smokey and Zelda. Good night, Indy, Gigi and Barney. Little Barney. Good night, Dad and Mom and Leo and Joe. God bless you, and God bless you.